1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 110. I am your friendly neighborhood bag milk. Join us, as always, by Nation Dan, Tyler Remchuk, and Rick. We are here to break down all things Edmonton Oilers. And as we do at the start of every podcast, I thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant out in Sherwood Park, Alberta, for all of the work that they do in making this podcast possible. It is now the season to winterize your vehicle. If you need some new tires for the winter, if you need an oil change, a little bit of service, or maybe you just need a new whip in general, head on over to Sherwood Ford. They would be happy to help you. Maybe, Dan, maybe it's time for a new Bronco.
3: It's oh. always time for a new Bronco.
2: I would love a new Bronco. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. As per tradition, my friend Tyler, while he is eating, will come to you with the Sherwood Ford Giant question of the week.
0: Thank you very much, Bag Milk. Uh, Sherwood Ford Giant question of the week. Um, it, it was really all any Oilers fan I should Wanted to talk about this week. Everyone wanted to share their memories of Joey Moss and talk about what Joey Moss meant to the team. We've we've had some great inter or heard some great interviews um, all around Edmonton. I think every media outlet did a fantastic job finding old Oilers who who were. I mean, obviously they were all willing to come on and talk about the bond they had with Joey. We had one with Sam Gagne on Real Life yesterday, which you can go listen to right now. Sam is just like him and Joey were so tight, and it was fascinating to kind of get a look into the relationship the two of them had. Uh, but back to the short for giant question based off that, what tribute would you like to see the Oilers do, or maybe tributes would you like to see the Oilers do for Joey Moss? So that his legacy can live forever. Um, whoever wants to go first, just fire away.
2: I'll just start by saying, you know, I think that for all of us, and I said this on real life as well, I think that we all rightfully have made fun of the Oilers plenty over the years, and like I said, rightfully so, but one thing that they always do well is remember their own, and I I really am expecting them to do a really lovely tribute for Joey Moss, and I bet that they're going <laughs> to execute it very, very well. In terms of what the ideas look like, I'm sure we all have plenty. My my favorite kind of ones are, I like the idea of, I'm not going to steal Tyler's, he had a great one on Real Life, otherwise I would just steal it and claim it as my own, but like, I love the idea of renaming things like the community rink after Joey, maybe even the Oilers dressing room itself uh, named after Joey, something like that where, you know, obviously he had a huge impact to the boys. I think that that would mean a lot to them as well as just the community knowing that, um, if the Oilers put something out there that where that's where he worked, that was his office was the dressing room. And to have it named after him, I think would be really appropriate, but I've got a bunch of others. I don't want to steal everybody else's thunder. Dan, I know you're, uh, you're standing by. What do you think? What do you think the Oilers could do for Joey?
3: Well, I think you, you said it well when like, I, I think anybody, anything that anybody has ever mentioned about Joey Moss, nobody's been like, Oh, that might be too much. Cause there's just, there isn't enough time and, and respect that can go out for this guy. Um, uh, When you hear comments, like you've heard from Sam Gagne, the quote that I pulled from his Player Tribune article, now as I look back on my time there and think about what it means to be an Evans Noether, I think about Joey Moss. You know, like those kinds of things are just super special. So I I think that all the ideas that have been bandied about are great. The one that I would, the the two that I've seen thrown out there, and I I I won't take credit for them or anything, um, but was I think Jason Greger put out the one about using his song, his favorite song, La Bamba, in some kind of, Former fashion yeah. I think that would be That's something that You know It instantly becomes Our Chelsea dagger it, You know You know the meaning Behind Labamba. You explain it And then You know Nobody can Make any comments About that Outside of the organization Fans will You know Make fun of it Or whatever But it's like Something that we can Really rally around And then the second thing That I've seen I think I saw it On Twitter um, Was suggested That his seat And the seat next to him Right behind the Player's bench Or is this Tyler is this your Yeah <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. It, uh but yeah, the the idea of of making those seats available to, to kids or, or adults with disabilities, um, I think would just be a very fitting uh you know, closing of the chapter on you're never gonna let you're never gonna stop thinking about Joey Moss, but but that spot in the arena deserves to have the same energy that Joey brought to it every day. Um through, through other folks that are going through exactly what Joey went through and are striving because of it. So yeah, I think that that's the one there.
0: Yeah, I really like it. I I think if you want to leave it empty for a year to honor Joey, like that, that would be really touching as well. But I, the reason I brought that up and the, the way the idea came to me was because uh, at TSN 1260, we had texts all day, of people sharing their Joey memories and someone talked about how at, at the grocery store by their house, there's a boy with down syndrome And this person would always talk to him about the Oilers and all that. And one day they got to Joey Moss and the boy leaned in and said, Joey Moss is my hero. And I just thought, man, how cool would it be if every Oilers home game, a different person living with disability and a loved one could sit in the seat that Joey Moss sat in, get a tour of the locker room, get to see what Joey did and then have some amazing seats for an Oilers game and get to, you know, fist bump the players as well and all that stuff. I I think that would just be a fantastic way to not only honor Joey, but also you know give back to the community and give back to a community that loved them.
2: Rick, what do you think? What do you think the others could maybe look
1: at doing it, uh Ton or Joey Moss? Um all of the above honestly I don't think there's anything that's going too far. Uh, I love the idea of just never using that seat again. Um but always having an invite. I mean, first of all, that's, those seats aren't the greatest seats in the world, anyways, right? Like you really can't see a whole bunch behind the bench. So yep. maybe whoever comes gets better seats or whatever, a couple of rows back, whatever. So no, I'm I'm down with that. Uh, the community rink idea. I really big fan of the dress room because that's kind of like where he that's that was his home. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong here. Just uh, make it big, that's all.
3: Well, and one thing I would like to see too, and I, I, I'm sure the Oilers are working on something, um, but is creating a position within the organization where they, where they do hire somebody that, you know, is, is, is dealing with the same kind of mental disability that Joey had or, or something similar to that and can really show that they can just come in and excel and, and they're no, you know, they, yes, they have different challenges than we do, you and I do, but, but they come in and they do a job and they create a culture that, you know, we've seen it. We've seen it now from from players that have played here, from players that haven't ever played here. We've seen it from organizations that never had anything to do with Joey talking about his impact on the teams. And so I think that I think that if you work to try and harvest some kind of you know some kind of position within the organization that that gives people with mental disabilities a chance to just really shine, I, I think that would be a, a really suiting and really fitting tribute to a man that you know means so much. Dan, that reminds me of a tweet from
2: Wheat and Oil. If you're not following Wheat and Oil, you should. He's a very, very great Oilers follower. And what he said was kind of along the same lines. He says, you know, one really cool thing about Joey Moss was how an organization made an inclusive space for him to do meaningful work. And as a result, not only Joey benefited, but the entire organization and broader community benefited from Joey just being able to be Joey. And when we spoke to Sam Gagne on the real life podcast, that's kind of what he talked about. He said, "No matter who you were or even what team you played for, Joey was there, and he made an impact on your life." Sam talked about when he would come back with other teams that weren't the Oilers, and he would bring other players from you know the opposition to meet Joey, and Joey was always there, and he made an immediate impact on whoever he met. And it's just pretty amazing that you know he got his job in you know it, because of Gretzky. We all know the story. But it went so much beyond probably what anyone would have ever expected. And it was interesting to see the city mourn the way it did because everybody felt it. Whether you were a a fan of the football team or whether you're an Oilers fan, Joey was involved in both and he was an icon in Edmonton sports and beyond. And I think one of my favorite parts, regardless of what the Oilers do, and I agree with Rick, there is no, there's not too many things. If they want to put a banner up, put a banner up. If they want to rename everything after him, do it. Um, but I think what just kind of showed how much he meant to everybody was the night he passed on, on Monday evening, you saw the outpouring of support from both current Oilers, former Oilers, other organizations and players that have never played here. I think that's a pretty special, um, legacy for a guy to have. And it was really touching to read. Was there anybody, um, was there anybody that kind of wrote something, Dan, I know you brought up the Sam Gagne's Player Tribune article that kind of just, that one hit you in the field.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I know TSN 1260 did a great job, you know, just giving away the airway basically to, to Joey Moss memorials and stuff. But uh, hearing from the Barry Staffords of the world and, and Sparky Kuczynski from the, uh, from the eighties era, those guys that were right there with Joey the whole time. Um, I think, yeah, like there was nothing around where I was just, you know, I I just soaked it all up. I read everything. It it was, it was really well done and really, really touching to hear from everybody.
0: I thought Paul Coffey did a great interview when he was on, uh 1260. I think again one of those guys you could tell like every player that came to Edmonton had a deep, had a deep connection with Joey, but there was a group of guys who I think were extra close with Joey and Paul seemed to be uh Paul seemed to be one of those guys and he shared some great stories about, you know, like the chirps Joey would give guys uh Mike Riley of the Edmonton football team or formerly of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh told a great story of how when he would be getting like whatever part of his body iced and he'd be laying on the training table, but like taped down so he couldn't move. That's when Joey knew to attack and would like be playing <laughs> pranks or doing things to piss off Mike Riley, knowing that Mike Riley could not get up from the training table. Um, it, it just funny, funny stuff like that. I, I think there is just no shortage of great stories to be passed around. I, I will say that, it, as sad as it is that he's gone, there's a part of me that's happy that the day, uh, you know, the, the few days of mourning. Were more of a celebration of what Joey brought to the city, and it really I had prefer- a, it, it had such a everything felt like it had such a positive vibe to it, which is great. And I mean, really, if there's a way to remember Joey, it, it's to be positive like that. Like you'd have to imagine that a guy who's known for always, you know, giving you perspective in life and was always smiling around the room and all that, like being able to share the happy stories of it uh, of Joey's life, I, I think that was great as well. Just just the overall the overall vibe that sort of these memories and stuff gave off everyone, everyone had a great Joey Moss story to share.
2: Rick, anything that stuck out to you?
1: Honestly, all of it. I, I enjoyed every single interview I could hear. I'm the type of guy that loves to sit back and just listen to, to guys, you know, just tell stories from, from back in the day and stuff. So yeah, no, every, 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 every story, man, I just sat there and enjoyed and took it all in. And, uh, and smiled all the time.
3: Well, I think you kind of touched on a two Bag Milk, saying that um, it, it's, and Tyler too, you know, that it's, it's the mo the fact it's, it's, it sucks that it took, you know, the passing of Joey Moss to really be able to hear some of these stories. Um, it was kind of a, it was like a, a guarded secret I guess Um, you know I think I think we have all heard little stories here and there about things like this but but to be able to hear the George the Rock stories about the wrestling in the locker room same with Gagne like it's just everything everything you heard was kind of a a reaffirmation of the thoughts that we had about him in the organization and it just kind of it warms the cockles of your heart to hear that kind of stuff. You know, it sucks that it's posthumously, but but it it, it was uh, it was very special that we were able to get a peek behind the curtains a little bit on that.
2: One of my favorites, uh, just to kind of you know wrap it up, it, it, I would really encourage everybody if you haven't done it already, and if you're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, chances are you spent a lot of time reading about Joey Moss over the last few days. But my favorite, I think, was from Craig Simpson. Um, he wrote about what it was like to meet Joey the day after being traded to Edmonton from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he wrote, the first day I walked into the Oilers room, a day after being traded there, the first person I met was Joey. He was folding towels, preparing the room for the morning skate. That was November 25th, 1987. Little did I know how much of an impact Joey would have on my life. He was loving, caring, passionate, and a pure soul. He gave us all so many lessons about life and the importance of living it to our fullest potential and not wasting a moment. Joey lived his life to the fullest of his potential and brought out the good qualities in all of his friends who loved him. He made all of us better people for knowing him. Players throughout the years have all all have a favorite story about Joey that he, in his own unique way, made special just for them. He was a teammate, a friend, and most importantly, he was a good human being. You gave so much to this world, Joey, and I'm thankful for the 33 years I was able to share with you. And it's just... Those went on and on and on. Whether it was from players that were around in the '80s, or even a guy like Nuge, where he doesn't tweet at all, and he says, "You know what? I was very grateful to have nine years as having you as my friend." Which it's very clear how much of an impact he made. And I'll include a, I'll include the link to uh, at the top of the article on OilersNation.com And this comes out just if you want to hear the Sam Gagne portion of the real life podcast from yesterday. I'll include that as well because Sam had some great stories. In that 12-minute interview that Tyler and I did, and it's well worth the listen if you haven't heard it already. Um, just to wrap it up, is there any last kind of thoughts that you guys wanted to share about Joey?
0: That Ga- the part in the Gagne interview where he talks about the time Joey made them go to the WWE event at Cineplex? that story is so <laughs> good.
3: Well, and I, I've heard the stories about—I uh, heard through through a, from the promoter that actually put together the ring him from his 50th yeah. birthday when they when they had the birthday party where it was in the like the dead of winter kind of thing and they were having these wrestling matches and then Joey goes out and he's he wants to fight all of these wrestlers after <laughs> the event and like and and like they were you know they wanted to they wanted to give him as much of the experience as they could but here's Joey like jumping off the top rope kind of thing onto these guys and just, he's just he's one of those guys that I I never had the chance to meet Joey and I'll, I'll forever kind of I think have that regret um, right up there with not being able to meet Dave Semenko kind of thing. Um, but I think that each one of us knows and, and feels that that pride of this city of Edmonton and the the pride that Joey Moss gave us for, for being fans of the Oilers and the Eskimos, or sorry, the Edmonton football team.
2: Unfortunately, I never got to meet him uh, either. Uh, I got to see him a bunch around the rink you know what i mean where he was doing his thing which was always great tyler or rick you ever get a chance to meet joey i
0: i never did but like covering uh you know I, I covered the oil kings for a few years here and you'd always be around roger's place whether it's for you know practices or whatever and you, you'd see joey moving around a little bit i think his presence at the rink went down a little bit in these last couple of years here Um, uh, but no i never had a chance to actually personally meet joey we should try to get somebody
2: on maybe for next week like uh I'm thinking of maybe like Brownlee or something. I bet he would probably have some really great Joey yeah. stories from his time with the team or something like that. Um, Ricky, ever get a chance?
1: Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I uh, I really can't think of a time when I did. Um, yeah, no, I, unfortunately, I just I just never did. And uh, but just this whole the whole all the memories over the last couple of days. Um, I don't think it's really surprised me. But I've definitely appreciated hearing it all. Uh, it just yeah it puts a smile on my face, and it, it's a good feeling right now.
2: He was a he's an icon in Edmonton, and I think it was pretty telling how much he meant to everybody just by the the levels of tributes that were coming out and the number of people that were just so willing and ready to share their share their stories with them. I mean, Tyler, on TSN, you guys broke away from the normal programming on TSN 1260 to just talk about Joey. And that was kind of the case for a couple of days. So it was a pretty special life, a pretty incredible human being. And I think that, you know, like we just read, everybody's got a story about Joey. And uh, everybody was very, very happy to say it. And then the thing that makes me laugh too, and just makes me smile thinking about it is um, you can tell I'm trying to kill a little bit of time here while I find the quote, but I think, I think the quote about how much he meant to the city, even though he didn't necessarily know it was pretty great. So Barry Stafford once said he's the most famous guy in Edmonton and doesn't even know it. And it's just the best. It's the best seeing the community come together to tell stories about him. It's the best hearing the stories about him and from all of us here. I know we're going to miss him, but very much look forward to what the Oilers have planned to honor him next because what they do now is going to be, you know, it's going to live forever uh, in the city of champions. And that's what Joey was, was a a champion in the city. Um, Changing gears a little bit. I do have to thank our friends at skipthedishes.ca for everything that they do to help make the podcast possible as well. It is a Friday afternoon. It's rainy. If you're looking for something to eat and you don't want to cook and you're able, head on over to skipthedishes.ca. Grab yourself something to eat from any of the hundreds or thousands or millions of wonderful spots around our beautiful city. Be sure to tip your drivers. They're putting themselves out there for you. Or maybe do what Rick does and do yourself a little tour. Get yourself something from a couple of different restaurants. And have yourself a feast because you deserve it. You've earned it. Skipthedishes.ca. They are here to help and they're here to feed you. I can't cook. I can cook eggs, Tyler.
0: But there's only so many eggs I can. Are you good at cooking eggs? Cuz you can be bad at cooking eggs. Buddy, I'm great at cooking eggs. Are you good breakfast cook in general? Like can you expand into other areas of breakfast foods?
2: I make breakfast for dinner so much. Really? Yeah, I'll like I'll grab like I'll make my own hash browns, I'll shred the potatoes, do the bacon, the eggs, toast the whole thing. Wow. Maybe if I'm feeling frisky, some baked beans in there, you know.
3: Mm. I like baked beans. I like baked Let beans too. My toast making skills are unparalleled. What else you got in the repertoire, though, Dad? Uh, um, I make good bacon. I have a good. I have a good. Uh, I have a good system for bacon. I won't give <laughs> all the details, but it's it involves a co- uh, cooling rack. <laughs> not, uh, not to not to give it all away, you know, right up front. But uh, So yeah, bacon and toast, and I've burned a lot of eggs. I've burned soup. I've burned soup, so there's that.
0: Rick, so, Rick you feel like yeah, the guy who might cook. order on... Rick and st- Yeah, I was going to say, you, you feel like the guy who I think orders skip the dishes the most out of the four of us, but you're also the guy who can cook better than all of us. Because yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, you yeah, post yeah. like these steak dinners and stuff, and oh, fuck yeah, man. me, man, they look good.
1: I like to eat, man. So if, if I wanted to eat
0: like that, I had to teach myself how to cook. So, I think in the months since I've moved out of my parents' house, I can like feel myself taking strides towards being a better cook. I'm still oh, in the stage of like basically just being able to assemble frozen meals and do like a few things like <laughs> that. But I'm still like I, I can feel myself like starting to build up the courage to try more things.
3: <laughs> my it dad. Happen. My dad taught foods in for high school kids, and I didn't learn from him. So there you go. I've gotten better, Tyler.
2: There is, like, as much as I'm saying I can only cook eggs, I have gotten better, especially in the time living alone over the past two years. I had to. Otherwise, there's only so much crap dinner and eggs I can eat. So, yeah. you know, now I'm making roasts. I'm making, like, shredded chicken tacos, okay. all kinds of stuff. I barbecue up a storm. It's great. Tyler, you'll get there, buddy. Believe me. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's get to the we are there for you. They are there for you, and we are grateful for them. Uh, really quickly, I want to touch on the AHL is targeting February 5th for its start date. Uh, that came out earlier this week. Zach Lang posted about it Those Nation.com. I'm wondering, gentlemen, do you think the NHL will wait that long, or will they still be trying to kick off in January as expected? Rick, I, do you want them on the ice as soon as possible. What do you think first?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they're going to, they have to kick off first because you kind of, the DHL kind of needs the players that get sent down to try and figure their shit out. Right. So, um, if that's the thing then I say that, you know, the NHL will probably start no later than say like a week before them, like normal. Um, but yeah, I still think they need to get on the ice as possible.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think the logistics uh that the ahl have to kind of overcome here uh talking about perhaps having to move stockton bakersfield and utica up north uh is going to be is going to be a bit of a a a touch point for them to have to deal with so i think that yeah you're going to see the ahl start after the nhl so the fact that they're pushing it a month behind the nhl's announcement makes sense because the nhl teams are going to have to be a part of that transition as well so you got to think that they're they're gonna follow suit with whatever the NHL does um, when it comes to the you know potential of a, an all Canadian division. So you are gonna have all Canadian AHL division as well, Tyler.
0: Yeah, to me, like I, I was hoping that the NHL would be able to like drop the puck on New Year's Day or something like that. Uh, if if the AHL isn't targeting till February fifth, I wonder if maybe we're not just gonna see like NHL camps open on New Year's Day and we're gonna have like a quick. 10-day training camp, like a six-day exhibition schedule where you play three times or four times even in six nights with just the teams that are around you. Like, Edmonton will play Calgary and Vancouver kind of thing. They'll rush through an exhibition schedule so the NHL can maybe start by, like, January 16th. Like, to me, this just bumped my expectations for when the NHL season will start sort of back two weeks.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I think, like, January is when they're going to get started. Um, But unfortunately... I think it was on Insider, I'm going to probably butcher this, so don't quote me on it, but it was on Insider trading on TSN, Pierre Lebrun or something like that said that they still haven't really started their their meetings yet with the players and the league to figure out what this looked like, whereas for the return to play in the summer, they did dozens of calls and they haven't quite yet gotten started. And here we are, you know, kissing November 1st, it comes up on Sunday. So they got to get going. Yeah, I know I- these calls can happen multiple times in a week and all of that, but, you know, there's plenty of work to do And a lot of players are going to have input on what the next season looks like.
0: This shouldn't come as a surprise, but I also think a big thing is the election on Tuesday. I I think that American election will have a big impact on the status of the Canada-U.S. border. And I think think, obviously the status of the Canada-U.S. border has a big effect on what next NHL season will look like.
3: Is there an election coming up? I don't even know. I think we're just hoping for all sides to have fun.
1: That's, yeah, that's the, what works in the, the official uh, position. Yeah. election, but yeah. <laughs> outside, outside the election, it's a really good point though, because Calgary is starting that uh, that test where they, uh, if you fly wherever, as long as it's within their rules, it's only a two two day quarantine when you get home, right? And that starts I, like, right away. But one
3: of the things we have to think about too is that parts of Canada, you know, have already started to institute their own their own issues, you know, with other parts of Canada. So you're seeing that if you go to the Maritimes right now, you have to quarantine for two weeks across Canada. So it's there's there's so much there's so many moving parts that I tend to believe that we're looking at perhaps what the AHL is aiming for their start time as the NHL start time, and How? then you push back the AHL. What's Don't the least
0: amount of games you would accept for an NHL season? I think there's no chance we're getting 82 this year. So what do you no, guys think I, we're gonna I, get? Not with the
2: Olympics kicking off in July. I mean, in theory.
3: I don't think that I don't think that the NHL accepts anything less than like sixty games themselves. Though you got to really think did. that they want to push to fifty or sixty.
2: Can we mark this down as like a guess, like what we think is going to happen? Because my guess is that they do like the the lockout year. What was that? Forty-eight. Forty-eight. Games?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That, I'm guessing we are get a lockout type season this year.
1: It's, they're going to uh, want more than that. Be in the oh, they'll process. definitely want more. They'll be whether... fifty-five to sixty. They'll stay away from that forty-eight number. For, for just for the whole reason, they don't want to even bring that that whole thing up again. <laughs> so
2: just like, it's like dude, forty. It's, like,
1: it's forty-seven or forty-nine. It's forty-eight or or fifty. Like you avoid that number. I could see forty-one as a number just to
3: cut half the season enough. straight in half. But it's but that's the thing, and it's I think that I think that we kind of talked about it, um, you know, early on in the in the pandemic. Um, but really, it's going to take like two or three years for us to get back to any kind of normal scheduling. I think that's the that's the clear and obvious answer here is that, you know, no matter how many games they chop it down to next season going to be pushed back. And then the season after that is going to probably end up being affected as well. Whereas I, I don't necessarily agree with that just
2: because they have to be done by the Olympics. So the Olympics is going to be like starting in July yeah, again in theory. So that would take them until what? How long do the Olympics last? I don't even know. Sorry, why do they have to be done by the
0: Olympics? NBC has the okay. broadcasting rights for both. And I and I would imagine... Like, I, I, I'm I going to sit in the middle of the two of you. I don't think they have to be done by the Olympics. I think they're facing pressure from NBC to be done by the Olympics, and they don't want to piss off NBC. And if the Stanley Cup finals are going on as the same time as the Summer Olympics, what do you think their ratings are going to look like in the States? Not great. Because,
2: well... To that point, like yeah. the World Series just wrapped up and it was one of the most poorly viewed World Series ever. And by all accounts, I didn't watch much of it, but like by all accounts, it was a hell of a series.
0: Yeah, it was. So, there were some great moments in that series. I wonder that's,
2: if... That's also something the NHL is going to have to take into account.
0: I wonder if a part, and I'm not 100% sure like how the rating systems work in for TV, um, but I wonder if people not being able to pack sports bars. Like I think that's really hurt sports ratings as well because like hypothetically, people shouldn't be doing much other than watching sports. But yet we've seen NFL numbers have been down at some points. NBA finals, they were down. NHL was poorly viewed. World Series was poorly viewed. I think that the whole aspect of like not being able to go to the local insert sports bar here and watch it with six or seven buddies or have a group of 10 people over to your house to watch the game, I think that's really hurting the numbers here as well.
2: Well, and there's also I was thinking about that too because I was thinking about the World Series thing, um, just in terms of the numbers. There's there it's different, right? Like going to the pint on a Saturday night to watch an Oilers game with a bar full of people has got a totally different vibe than just you know watching it at home and there's pumped in crowd noise or very little crowd noise. Like it's a completely different vibe. Dude, in, every, in, everything
1: was different, man. Like The playoffs this year was. It was brutal, dude. It wasn't. But in theory, what it used to be.
3: But in theory, those those two hundred people that were in the pint, if you say half of them are going to watch the game anyway, so they're going to watch it from home. In theory, the rating should be up, right? Like, I I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense because those people are individually tuning in at home now instead of one television rating from. From the box at the pint tuning in, like well, it's that's
1: just, just that's just that maybe that gets built into the numbers yeah, too, right? Does. If you're gonna,
3: yeah, you have oh, okay. whatever
1: your capacity is. So, okay, well, I I mean I don't know. Like, so actually, so you, you lose. It is you lose. weird. You wonder. You actually lose it by just by that, right? Like if you said there's 200 people here, or we're going to be 200 people, but 100 will watch at home by themselves. Well, now it's 100 people viewing instead of like whatever the number the, at the bar would have been, would have been 200 yeah. So yeah, you're losing right away. I
0: also think there's a lot of people who their interest in sports is purely social, right? Like I think of it too, like my interest in UFC. I, as my, I did actually watch the Khabib fight, so maybe a poor example, but like in the past, I really only care about the UFC when it's a huge fight that me and all my buddies are getting together to watch. If there's yeah. not that social aspect, I'm not watching it, and I think there's people who are like that with the other major sports, where it's like, oh yeah, I love watching hockey with my friends. Are you just going to turn on the game by yourself? Eh, no, I don't care about it that much. Or baseball as well. Like I have friends like that. If I if it was a normal year, I'd have been texting my buddies, been like, hey, who wants to come over and watch game six tonight? And I probably would have had some friends over for it. In this case, I was like, Ugh, I'm not doing that.
3: But I guess that too, like you got to think that we were super saturated for sports. Like it was, it was, there was that weekend, I think right. As everybody kind of every season started, like like every hour. professional league was playing except for the NFL. Like it's, you know, in, or in MLB, I guess, but it, yeah. And, and it started at 9am in the morning and it was going until, until, you know, two o'clock yeah. in the morning kind of thing. So I, yeah, say, I don't know.
1: It was glorious.
2: That first return to play, like when it first kicked in, and there was games starting at like nine a.m. all the way till eleven at night was great. I loved
1: yeah. it. Yeah, dude, it was that it was that Boston Carolina game that got pushed uh, to the next day because of the over the yeah. five overtime. So that game literally started at nine o'clock here, dude. It was perfect.
2: It was great. Can I, and Tyler? I, you were a, you were a big fan of daytime sports. Oh, we would be recording man. podcasts, and you'd be staring at your TVs
0: behind us. <laughs> man, these these bad boys. Sit dark right now, and it is the most depressing thing in the oh. world. So sad. Well, we
2: need sports to come back, yeah. just because you know all that we got right now is is, is football.
0: And so, it's only on three days a week. Yeah, we need it. We uh, need it.
2: NHL, figure it out. NBA is coming back. You know, you want to be there with the NBA.
0: You know, you do. I want to I want to float you guys this question here, uh, since we got a bit of time. We are talking about uh, length of schedule in the NHL: forty-eight, fifty-five, sixty, sixty-two, whatever you think the magic number is. If, would which one would you be in favor of if I said we can get 60 games in and it's a normal playoff schedule, or if I said 48 regular season games and we're doing the expanded playoffs again?
3: Nope, fuck that shit forever. (laughs) No more expanded playoffs. I don't know. I think because we, I think it's hard for me as an Oilers fan because I'm jaded still with the fact that we were the four seed, but actually a fifth seed according to the win percentage. And so we ended up with the, the tough position of playing a team that had no business being there. I, I don't know. It's, I don't want to see, I don't want to see 16 playoff or sorry, uh, 24 playoff teams. 16 is enough. When more than half of your league is playing in the playoffs, you're fine. And and it just—it was an unnecessary amount of level of play. Understandably, so it was needed in the sense,
1: but I just—I just don't think we need to play expanded playoffs. Going in, knowing that that's the way it is before the season starts, I don't think would feel as bad as it did this year. Like it felt like we were in, we already everything was done already. We already took care of it, and then all of a sudden they, they took it away from us. But if you go into the season knowing that at the end of it, you know it's just another round. Um, yeah it's not the end of the world
2: i'm kind of with rick on this one. i actually liked it it added a different layer of intrigue to the playoffs and just like a wild card factor that was just so bizarre and i think that had there not been a four and a half month break between that the oilers would have probably done better than they did um i think that gap really i mean like montreal knocked pittsburgh out as well like there was a bunch of weird things that happened but i kind of liked it it was weird i like i like switching things up every now and then.
0: A little chaos is good.
2: A little chaos is fun. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I I didn't hate it. I agree that if I think it was done right after the... Like, the Oilers just played terribly. If it was done right after the season, maybe the result's different. Uh, I didn't mind more teams getting a chance at playoff hockey, and I loved having hockey on all day in the bubbles. So if we could get that again, like I just think having that opening round and branding it as like all day hockey all week. And having games that just went all day—I don't know—I think it'd be kind of cool for my personal enjoyment, at least. I suppose people with regular jobs who are at work during the day, yeah, I mean, uh, no, might not be thrilled. <laughs> but yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> there is that too. Like, there's—they're
3: yeah. all
1: at home watching, anyways.
0: Yeah, if you're also working, not at home. Like, it's not like
1: well, except
3: anymore. <laughs> except that we saw the ratings and they weren't right. Like yeah. they—I don't know. It's just it,
2: because I, you I, have a I lot didn't of like it.
1: You have a lot of like oiler fans but that aren't necessarily hockey fans, mm-hmm. right? Like they want to watch the Oilers, but as soon as the Oiler game's over, they are wash their hands of it, which is, you know, obviously it's a smaller group that's willing to watch everything. But for the most part, they're Oilers fans or, you know, whatever team fans. And when your team's not playing, you bounce. I think I guess what
2: guess, the answer is is that they, everybody needs to do what I did and turn yourself into a degenerate gambler so that even if you don't <laughs> care about the games you're watching, there's a little bit of excitement in there for you because you bet for two home team goals in the second period.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it, man. That's why I love the NFL so much.
2: Uh, changing gears a little bit, I want to touch on quickly, Mr. Leon Dreisaitl turned 25 years old this past week. And Leon has developed himself into an absolute warlord since his, what, cup of coffee? It was like six or seven games to start off the season in Bakersfield. He has dominated the NHL over the last couple of years. It's pretty hilarious that his only competition right now really is Connor McDavid, which is a teammate. <laughs> um, I just kind of want to talk about Leon a little bit. Dan, you had
3: him as, what did you say, number five in the number latest EA Sports? Number five, so it goes. Uh, Connor McDavid, of course, uh, and then you got. This is just me going off memory. Uh, Ovechkin, Crosby, and then in a group amongst themselves, Leon Draisaitl, Nikita Kucherov, and Nathan McKinnon are all uh, are all rated the same. Um, and I think you could say you could understand that McKinnon would be in the mix there, um, given his season and everything. But yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely getting the recognition he deserves um, for being the. You know, number two, number three, number four player in the world right now.
2: So, my question for all of you gentlemen Leon Dreisettle at his 25th birthday, still plenty of mileage left on that finely tuned German body of his. How good does he get?
0: This good? Like, I think this is Dreisaitl? Uh, I mean, but like, what's better? Can you get better than leading the league in scoring and winning the Hart Trophy while not playing with Connor McDavid? Like, Maybe there's a season coming up where he doesn't have like a historically bad month of December. Like maybe that comes and he ends up putting like 125 points up in a season, but I, I don't know. Like to me, even with McDavid to an extent, like they're in their primes right now. This is how good they are. And I expect them to routinely do this. Like I, I don't even think we're we, we can be expecting like bad seasons from these guys. I think it's just going to be a run of these next five, six years where these two guys are consistently... Top ten, at least in scoring and doing that.
3: Yeah, what do you think? I agree with you, Tyler. That I think Leon is is as good as he's gonna, you know, as as he can be right now. I think that the the X factor that's going to play into it is having line mates that he can consistently trend with, you know. And if Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins are it, then then the ceiling does hit. Yeah, one hundred and twenty five points. You know, and that's and that's pretty amazing to say uh with also the caveat that that Connor mcdavid has a, a higher ceiling given some line mates that he can consistently be with so i think i think the x factor is the people that we put around him and if we continue to put them around him consistently
2: rick and leon get better
1: yeah i guess so i don't think he's going up to like another level like we we've seen him do but yeah, I can see him, you know, creeping up to 120 points, something like that. Kind of rounding out his game on the defensive end a bit. Maybe it's becoming a little bit more reliable two-way. I guess that would make him a little bit better. Um, yeah, offensively, yeah, I expect to see what we've seen for last, you know, at least last year. We will see that for the next, you know, the duration of his contract.
2: For me, that's where I think he can get better. Is if he when he starts to really tighten things up in his own defensive zone, then I think that's where he's really going to shine because I think that. I mean, it's not, I think, obviously less time spent in his own zone means more time that he's probably got the puck at the other end of the ice. So I think that that's where he's going to get better. And I wouldn't be surprised at all by the time that the NHL gets back on the ice that both he and Connor have probably done some kind of weird work to improve like things like face offs and stuff like Connor's probably spent the last. You know, since August when they got bumped out, just taking face offs from some robot machine he hand built (laughs) himself because he wants to get better at it or something. And I think that Leon's in the same kind of breath as that as well.
0: A a big next step for them is going to be, uh, you know, continuing to prove that they're dominant playoff performers. Like you look at Dry Settlement 22 points in 17 career playoff games. McDavid has 18 in 17 career playoff games as well, because you count those Blackhawks games for technically playoff games uh, for stats. Like If those two guys ever get a chance, or when they get a chance, I should say, to go to the third round, to go to a cup final, it's going to be great to watch them score clutch goals and sort of build that into the reputation.
2: Changing gears again, my friends, I want to talk about the old barn because news came out that on November 3rd, Zach Lang, covered this for weather's nation.com, the final proposal for the exhibition lands will hit a public hearing on November 3rd the first step of whatever comes will be the demolition of Northland Coliseum, Skyreach Center, Rexall Place, whatever you want to call it. It'll always be Skyreach Center to me. Um, I just want to go with – with. we all knew this was coming. We all knew this was happening. I just kind of want to go around the horn really quickly and just be like, well, it sucks, but, man, I had some good memories at the old barn. If, if I say – what is some of your best memories of Rexall all play Skyreach center and Coliseum, whatever you want to call it. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Dan, uh,
3: for me, it's, you know, it's the Coliseum. Um, I wasn't, our family wasn't, you know, well to do or anything. Uh, so we usually, if we got to go to a game, it was through gifted tickets. Um, I remember one time we had we were gifted tickets and we were actually snowed out, which like happened like three times I think ever in Edmonton's history. Um, so I actually ended up going to see one of Gretzky's games back uh, with the Kings um, against the Oilers as like a makeup. I don't know how that worked out. It was nonsense to, to think nowadays, but uh, to be able to see Gretzky in Kings colors, no less, but uh, that was that was pretty damn special. And then for me it was just a lot of um, a lot of interacting with Oilers fans in the hallways of that stadium through some tough ass years um and emphasis on the ass uh you know it was I, I remember i was one time i was wearing a shirt that had Connor mcdavid and and it has it, it, he's been obama sized with the hope uh logo underneath and and some Oilers fan, random Oilers fan after we'd lost like five to nothing or something came up to me and just poked me in the stomach and was like, nope. And I was just like, I don't know. It's just one of those like weird moments that I haven't saved in my memory banks that I can never get rid of. But, but it's, 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 it's one of those places that we called home for a long time. And I, and I hope that, you know, everybody listening to this has a memory of it. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure the building's going to go down in the next year and, and it's going to be a sad day. But, uh, but yeah, it's fun to listen to the memories.
2: Tyler, you're the youngster in the group. Yeah. What memories do you have from... Oh, and first of all, what is the arena called to you?
0: And Rexall. And what
2: is your... Oh, man, I knew it, it was going to be Rexall. Yeah, it's, it's Rexall
0: <laughs> for me. That's all I really ever... Skyreach. It was Rexall for the 06 Cup run, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been Rexall the entire time I it remember was, being in Oilers. It was so. Skyreach
3: right before that. Yeah. With the scissor lifts outside.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but all my memories are just kind of going to games with my dad, right? Like it's kind of where I fell in love with hockey was getting a chance to go to as many games as I did with him. Um, I remember sitting at, in broadcasting school at Nate, the day of the final game and my dad texts me and he's like, ah, do you want to go tonight? And I was like, well, sure. But like, we don't have tickets. And he was like, well, just find some. And he he told me to just buy them no matter what. And then I like left school early and he zipped, picked me up. And uh, we, we went and watched the final game together. Um, I, as I know, everyone has great memories of getting shit-faced at Rexall Place. Uh, me, not so much because I wasn't of legal age for pretty much all the games I got to go to. But I remember I went to a game with my dad like a month before I turned 18. And it's where he bought me my first ever, or it's where it was the first time my dad ever bought me a beer. I was sitting at the seat during the intermission, just like on my phone or whatever. And he was like, well, like, he would always go out and have a smoke during the intermissions. Because, you know, why would you want to sit and chat with each other? right? We don't do that. <laughs> I just, yeah. um, and he was like, I'm going to get a beer. Uh, do you want one? And I was like, uh, yes. And uh, he bought <laughs> like, other- me a beer. It was for funny. every other...
3: For every other father, son, mother, daughter, whoever, in that exchange, the parent may have been, it may have been joking, but we know your dad wasn't joking. in that, uh, in that moment, he was literally asking you, do you want to be?
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like I was, whatever, like I said, like three weeks away or it would have been, it would have been less than that. Cause I think it was a regular season game and I was born in the middle of October. So it would have been like probably a home opener, I think. And nice. uh, I was would have been days away from turning eighteen, and he went and bought me a beer. And I was remember being like, "Damn, this is cool." I'm like sitting at an Oilers game, having a beard. Goddamn, I, I just I just have so many memories of going to games with my dad, and that's what's always going to be special when I think about Roger or Rexall Place.
2: Gee, I wish that you could have had the memory of getting absolutely lambasted up in the up in the gallery <laughs> and trying to make me your too. way down the stairs at the end of the game. Always an adventure. Rick, best memories from the building. First of all, what do you call it, and what is your best memories from there?
1: that's that's the coliseum to me um and dude i i have have a bunch i you know there's those playoff games in the 90s and the early 2000s we know you get there and 45 an hour before the game and everyone's in there always chanting bell for you can you can feel it in your chest uh he's you know skating back into his own net because even that even he can't handle uh how much is going on i was there for the gretzky game um the home opener in 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 99 when they uh when they retired his jersey Uh, i still have my ticket at home from that uh to the last game i was there for the last game too and somehow uh through you know good luck i was able to weasel my way into the super exclusive party in the club area at the end of at the end of the game and so yeah i mean a ton of memories from from that night from you know just hanging out with a bunch of the guys and Uh, it's everything man it's uh you'll miss like walking in there i would have really loved to see them somehow get a bunch of different ice uh services in there and just use it you know two levels and whatever but guys we just need to get on with it we need to get a thing out of there and and move on i think you it kind of like you hate you don't want to see it do to kind of like rot away by itself you know yankee stadium was blown up you know like uh weeks later months later it's you know you got to move on
2: for me, when I think of it, first of all, Sky Ridge Center, um, when I think of it, one of my first memories was walking up to the arena as a kid and seeing the purple lights on the outside and just the <laughs> glow that they would change. If it was Christmas, it was red and green, and they would do that all the time. And that's what I always remembered walking through the parking lot up to Which the Which parking arena lot,
1: though? That. Were you, like, parking in the arena parking lot? Were you over oh, the no. Agri- no. Were you at the Agricolum walking over 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 top of one eighteen?
2: No, there was those grain elevators that were, like, behind the rink. I yeah, guess yeah. that would be west of it, I guess.
1: And yeah, I think so. And
2: we'd walk probably three, four, or five blocks because we parked on the streets. it was free. <laughs> and it wasn't so bad in October, November. But by the time you got to go to a game in January, February, if you were lucky enough, that was a walk that was brick. Oh, cold. And... I I don't know how how well you remember the mid-90s, but there were some lean years in there. So I remember watching (laughs) some horrible hockey games and having to do that walk. But for me, my favorite memory of, of the old barn has to be the 2006 Cup run. At the time, I was actually a sales rep for a promotional company that landed a contract with the Oilers for doing some promo during the playoffs. Part of our compensation was that we got two tickets to every home game. And seeing as I was the rep that went out on site all the time, I got the ticket. So I got to see uh, game six, the win against Detroit, which happened to be Steve wow. Eisman's last game. I got to see, I saw Smitty's teeth get knocked out and have Horakov score in overtime. I'll wow. never forget when the arena ran out of beer and they made an announcement after like the first overtime period or something like that. I've never heard a boo that loud in my life. <laughs> it was incredible. That was the there, triple
1: overtime game against Detroit, right? That's
2: uh, against no against San Jose. San Jose, anyway. yeah. And they uh, they ran out of beer and everybody went crazy. I'll also never forget as long as I live. There was a there was a goal review. It was I believe it was Hensky that scored, and they were doing a goal review against Detroit, and the review was taking a minute. And the entire building throughout the review was Channing Manny Legacy's name. And it was like what Rick said. It was that thunderous re- repetition. It, I remember it started during the break. It went clear through a commercial break, came back through until the end of the goal review. And I'll just never forget the Manny, Manny, Manny chant. And even Legacy later on admitted how much that rattled him to have the entire building with the silver pom pom shaking them it at It just doesn't him.
1: stop, man. It doesn't stop. Like Belfort in the 90s was great. Turco, it fucking rolls right off the tongue as well. It was so much fun. You can feel it in your chest. I'm like. You can feel the excitement. It was great. It was the best. I love that and place.
2: Also, Sorry, go ahead, Deb.
1: I forgot my memories of the Edmonton Drillers and
3: the Edmonton <laughs> Rush as well. That played out of that <laughs> building. Do you guys did you guys ever go see indoor soccer at rexall or Skyreach no. or whatever it was at that um, time? No. Oh man, what went. a good time. And they give out free tickets to any soccer team that wanted them. <laughs> That's, That's cool. how I got to go see there. Yeah.
2: It was a great old barn. Um not necessarily in a great area. But uh <laughs> we had a lot of fun there and I remember going over to drink at I mean it took 9,000 names over the course of the, my fandom, like Diesel Ultra Lounge or whatever you want to call it. And they would give you beers and red solo cups and you'd go there pregame and have a drink and then make your way in. It was the best. So it's a sad day when that'll go, but you know what? We had a hell of a lot of memories in the old barn and I can't. And I, if you're listening to this right now, share your favorite Rexall memories with us. ON Radio podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, which reminds me, Tyler, I've been complaining that nobody has reviewed this podcast for weeks. But, <laughs> in a surprise to no one, Dan, you'll, uh, you'll know this from sitting beside me for years now, I'm the moron. I just <laughs> didn't see them. I didn't see them. There were dozens of new reviews for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. So I'm going to go through a couple of these. We're going to do these on a weekly basis. If you can do us a favor, we want to beat Real Life, despite the fact that Tyler and I are both on that podcast as well. We want to beat uh, Real Life and climb the rankings of the best sports podcasts in Canada. So I'm going to go ahead and start with Grizz4327. He gave us a five-star review. For all its problems, at least Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice was totally consistent. I don't necessarily think that it was better than Justice League. Both are just okay. But here you've got an awkward combination of Snyder's very morbid pistache style and weed and sarcastic and dopey Saturday morning cartoon writing that you wonder what, they, what the final product would look like if the movie had
0: just been a singular vision. I don't know what that has to do with our
3: podcast, but I like five star review. That's unbelievable that you would have us say that.
0: <laughs> We're going to get too many ridiculous reviews. We're going to get like banned from Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: shin
2: hitter. Shin hitter. Another five-star review. He says, awesome podcast. Wish there was more than one per week. fantastic. You continue to create content even when there isn't a lot happening in the Oilers world.
0: Uh, <laughs> telling us. Today's a great <laughs> yeah. example of it. We're sitting here before the podcast being like, fuck, if we get 45 minutes of stuff to talk about today, <laughs> we are going to be lucky. And it's like the 55-minute or 50, what, 53-minute mark right now? 51-minute mark. And we're like still cruising, haven't done hot and cold performers yet.
2: Corbin says, another five-star review. Gentlemen, we are very popular. Big fan of All the Nation podcast. Good vibes and great topic. You boys make my day at work entertaining. Being a lifelong Oilers fan in Northern Alberta, I can relate to a lot of the topics and passion for the team. You now have 14 listeners. Keep doing what you guys do and keep huge forever.
0: I like that. He can relate to the topics. Uh, Corbin, does your dad also not speak to you much when you go to games (laughs) (laughs) today?
3: A random stranger walk up to you and poke you in the belly of <laughs> uh,
2: Well, you know what? We've got plenty of reviews, and we're not going to do all of them, because um, I want to save some as we continue on. But I think this is a perfect way to send off this week's review.
1: Review corner, of the reviews.
2: Review of the reviews. I like Ooh. that. Blue 45, another five-star review, says, My favorite part is hot and cold performers of the week, specifically the buttons. Specifically, the buttons. So, Tyler, that'll oh. be your cue to get your buttons ready. We're going to go into that right now. He also adds, shout out, Damien, best wishes. So, that nice. is from Blue 45 on Apple Podcast. Again, we have plenty of these that I'm going to read on a weekly basis. Please review the podcast, give us a rating, help us
3: bump it up. Help us you bump it up. can literally make Bag Milk say just about anything. He just told us that he loves Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Yep, Batman,
2: Showed Superman, Dawn of Justice was uh totally consistent. So, whatever you want to put in there,
1: <laughs> I'm in. What's our rank right now? Uh,
2: we have 113 ratings overall, and this is a average rating, a five-star podcast. 99 five-star reviews, eight four-star reviews,
0: sure. three three-star sure.
2: reviews, sure. one two-star review, and okay. two one-star reviews. So, Ooh. I will
3: Please I will let find us know a, who you are that gave us one star.
2: Don't worry about it, Dan. I will find those. And uh, actually, you know what? Let's fucking read one right now. (laughs) Where are the most critical?
3: If you're totally like, and that's the thing, right? We'd like to hear criticism as well. We don't need to have our tires pumped all the time. I mean, just most of the time, but not all the time.
0: I had someone text into the radio station today and tell me that I'm terrible at my job and like, I I should be fired and all this. And I (laughs) responded and I was like, why, why is there so much hate, man? And he was like, it's not hate. I actually like you. I just don't want you to be caught off guard when you're fired. And he tried to play it off. And he was like trying to suck up doing after me. Like, so what are you doing this weekend, man? But he was trying to play it off. Like telling me I'm dog shit at my job is just being a good friend. So when I get fired, I'm not like, why did I get fired? He's like, I'm just setting you up for it, man.
1: Wow. Uh,
2: just <laughs> scanning really quickly. Good podcast, generally entertaining, but the f bombs make you sound uneducated and unable to express your thoughts. I, oh, I kill that, and I give you a five. That's not bad. That's that's <laughs> a valid criticism. I'll Fuck take that. that. That's Vice Ross.
3: I was <laughs> <laughs> wondering Ross. who's going to be the first person to say that.
0: All I'm right. kidding. I'm five. sorry. We should watch our mouths. Tyler, I will put soap in your mouth again. <laughs> Last time it was awkward. <laughs>
2: whatever. Get your buttons ready, boys. <laughs> it is good. time for Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week, where we look at the last seven days and discuss what was great and not so great in our lives and the world of sports. As always, I want to thank Oodle Noodle for making this possible. Head on into any of their 14 locations around the city, and they will donate 10% from all takeout and curbside orders to a local charity and initiative. This week, they're doing Positively Princessed. They dress up and visit uh, charities around the city dressed as Marvel characters. Um, if you haven't seen the video of Jade learning how to be a princess, head on over to at Oodle Noodle Graham on Instagram or Oodle underscore Noodle on Twitter to check that out because it is hilarious. So as we do every week, boys, I'm going to start with our veggies. It's time for the Cold Performer of the Week. I'm looking at Rick. He is the biggest on my screen right now. Rick, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week.
1: I don't know if it's one specific but it's just this whole situation we have right now four days a week four nights a week you're gonna get home after work you're gonna sit down you're gonna flip on the tv and you're not gonna have anything to watch like no sports right now that is the cold performer just no sports man this i can't handle this what the hell is
3: going on
1: yeah no sports coming back and then going away sports jerks big time
2: it's time for us to get into uh, I'm looking at our friends at Odd Shark right now, what you can bet on. I might get into ping pong. I don't oh, know. Marble racing, tonight,
1: buddy. College football tonight.
3: Mr. Nation, Dan, your Oodle Noodle Colts performer of the week. Yeah, I warned you guys ahead of time. I've got two. Uh, just <laughs> came across the wire Perfect. right before we hit air. Uh, the OHL is announcing without any prompting from a government or anybody like that, uh, that they are going to be removing hitting from hockey this season. So OHL, you can go f yourself. That, I took it away. See, I took out the f bomb. My other cold performer of the week, and I've talked about this a few times. the The big problem hockey has is the way it's covered, and a and a, for an organization like Sports Illustrated to talk about how they they know how to cover sports and think that they know what they're doing with sports. To then have their cover this week for the uh, for the World Series Championship. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, and on the front of the cover, all it says in big letters is L.A. Kings. It's just absolutely daft. What? It's just such a stupid, soft thing for them to do. I put it up on hockeyfights.com. They're, they're, the cover of their article says World Series Champions, and then it has lower down the page, it says L.A. Kings, just in big letters, as if there's not a team already called the L.A. Kings. So it's Sports Illustrated for your inability to to recognize that there's a team called the L.A. Kings.
1: I'm all uh,
2: shout out to LeBron James for winning the World Series as well.
3: Right, yes. <laughs> huge, huge day for the LA Kings finding out that they won the World Series this week.
2: Uh, Tyler Remchak, your oodle noodle Cold Performer of the Week.
0: Um, the Big Brother finale. It, there was no suspense at all. I mean the Big Brother finale is rarely ever like amazing with like big twists and turns and drama. But I mean I know the guy who should have won did end up winning. But there was no drama in the Big Brother finale. This whole season was just kind of bad. So having to sit through all that, um, the Big Brother finale, you get my cult performer of the week.
3: We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived.
0: How I feel.
2: Uh, I'm going to take the obvious one here. My oodle-noodle cult performer of the week, Arizona Coyotes. Everybody knows why. Yep. I don't really need to say much more than that. They, They know why. Arizona Coyotes, co Perform of the week. Yeah. Slipping over to the positive of the past seven days, I'm going to reverse the order. Mr. Tyler Remchuk, what is good? Your Oodle Noodle Hot perform of the Week.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I I honestly just want to take this time again to, to talk about how great I think all the stories about Joey Moss has been, the support for the Moss family, uh, his sister Vicky, was on TSN 1260, just said she was overwhelmed with all the great stories that everyone was telling of her younger brother. So I I just wanted to say that to all the players who came out and and took their time to, to share their stories of Joey, for all the players who would have had a positive impact, for everyone, whether it's Dwayne Mandruziak and his staff or the training staff with the Oilers, everyone who had a positive impact on Joey's life, everyone who has a great Joey story and came forward to share it over the last you know, 72 hours here. Kind of, I just wanted to give them a, a bit of a round of applause. I don't have a button for this, but my hot performer of the week is uh, everyone who, who made the last few days kind of, kind of so special and did a great job remembering a great life that Joey Moss lived.
2: I uh, can agree. I can agree more myself. Mr. Nation, Dan, you hot performer of the week.
3: Yeah. I mean, you you, you can't even, there's nothing you can do uh, about that one there, Tyler. I, I, that was a great comment. Um, I mean, I guess to try and follow that up, um, I'm gonna give it to the to the Dallas Stars for their third jersey that they just announced this week. I think, if anything, I just want to give it to them because they've gotten so much hate for this jersey design. But I like that they went out and did something, even if it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's something that you'd only see on like NHL 21 creative. I think we all, you know, we all talked about it last week. Even just on this podcast, we want some originality. We want some excitement. The Dallas Stars sure as hell tried to do that this week with their neon neon green Dallas Stars jersey. So I'll give it to them for the hot performance of the week.
2: I Like this right here. I agree. I tend to agree. Like it got panned, and it's funny that uh, you know Monster Energy is going to get a bunch of free promo from the Dallas Stars, but I think that they took a swing. And that's what I respected about it. They tried to do something different, and they took a swing. And I'll give them credit for it.
3: And um, they got Ovechkin to model for them. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you shoot the
1: wrong way, though. Uh, Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hopper from the Week. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it out to uh, everybody at 1260 there who...
2: Chef Tyler.
1: Yeah, <laughs> who made it... Um who made it easy like just to sit back and listen i think mean, it was a day and a half two straight days of where you could just put your feet up and and just listen to stories that, that that were you know that made you feel good so as much as it came from a bad place um yeah we they made it as good as it could be
0: as someone who got to see sort of the behind the scenes of all that one guy who gets ruthlessly torn apart by Edmonton sports media listeners, Matt Iwanek, he deserves <laughs> out of all the staff at our radio station, he deserves 90% of the credit for how well that day went on Um, from bumping Thursday night football. So we could spend a couple hours in the evening talking about Joey to, you know, making sure that everyone at the station had a couple of former Oilers or a couple of former Eskimos to come on. Matt Iwanek did almost all, all of that. So I think uh, just while we're giving credit for that, um, I'm not going to take any. It should all go towards Matt Iwanek, who some people really don't like, but y- you got to give <laughs> him props for uh, how he handled that Joey Moste. He did a great job.
2: Uh, my little, little hot performer of the week, I'm going to give it to a local fan named Brian McKay. I re- I just wrote about on the on The Nation earlier this morning. He started JoeyForever.ca as a, as a place for um, fans to come and submit their favorite stories about Joey. Cause while there was a bunch of, like Tyler said, great stories coming out from uh, football players, from Oilers, from around the NHL and people that got to interact with them, plenty of fans have their own stories or moments with Joey that they want to share as well. And Brian McKay created again, jo- JoeyForever.ca is a place where you can go and be anonymous. If you want submit a story about Joey and have it go up on a place there, so I'm going to give another plug, joeyforever.ca. Put some respect on my name.
0: Indeed. I love
3: that we're going cre- to create a graphic for this that's going to say, like, TSN 1260 for the Joey, all the players that came together for Joey, and this fan that came together for Joey, <laughs> and with the Dallas Stars.
1: That's <laughs> 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 fair. It's and one one thing about those down. jerseys, one thing about those jerseys, they really went after, the. I think they did something like the Oregon Ducks did, they need to do something with the helmet. If you're going to go that crazy on the uh, on the jersey, you can't just roll that regular black helmet. Either go matte just, black with some stuff in the there, racing stripes. or some some Like I know, I'm just, literally looking at the at the ducks uniforms right now, and uh, yeah, you got to get something going on with the uh, with the helmet there too. And then I'll be okay with that jersey. Just use a splash of radioactive paint every day. You know, just
3: uh, <laughs> light up their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they got different.
2: I like that they got different. Uh, from all of us here at Weather's Nation Radio and Bag Milk, Rex here, Nation Dan's here, Tyler Ramchuk's here. This is episode 110. I want to thank Sherwood Ford the Giant, SkipTheDish.ca, and Oodle Noodle for making this all possible. And of course, for you, for listening and reviewing, as I've been asking for for weeks. Again, I am my own cold performer of the week because I'm a moron and I couldn't find them until this week. But <laughs> you know what? I'll own that. I'll own my own deficiencies on the internet. Thank you very much for being here. Please tell a friend, co-worker, cousin, auntie, uncle, whoever you've got around you about Oilers Nation Radio. Brand new episodes every Friday. You can download, subscribe everywhere. Until next time, have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes.
3: Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social
0: media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast.